I, I, I maybe I did play it just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toodles Only Alternative and your on campus radio station 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> You know what time it is when you hear that siren it's time for frank's power play and frank welcome back on the show another weekend we got going on here it's your time to take it away go ahead frank all righty derek thank you very much and i'll start by saying the stanley cup final is tied at one game apiece after games one and two so let's go back to game one which was on Memorial Day on NBC, and I would say that this is probably the best game won in a Stanley Cup final that I can remember, and probably probably since Flyers and Blackhawks in 2010, where you had a lot of action up and down the ice, high-scoring games, and it was tied 4-4 until about midway through the third period when Tomas Noshek scored what would be the game-winning goal to make it 5-4, and he added an empty net tally, giving him the first star of the night honors. Oddly enough, it was about one year ago where Nocek scored a game-winning goal in the American Hockey League for the Grand Rapids Griffins in Game 1 of the Calder Cup Final. That year, the Griffins won the Calder Cup. This year, Nocek playing in the NHL on a team with a shot at a Stanley Cup. Coincidence? Only time will tell. Then we shift our attention to game number two in Las Vegas, which was Wednesday night. And this time it would be the Capitals who would come out victorious 3-2. to two. But the play of the night in that game, what will be remembered, was Braden Holtby making... An incredible stick save on Alex Tuck late in the third period, and keeping what would have been the game tying goal out of the net, giving the Capitals a three to two win, tying the series is one at one as it heads back to Capital One Arena in Washington D.C. for games three and four. Game three will be Saturday night, eight o'clock on NBC Sports Network. Herc there, so tune into that one. Should be a good one. That's your update on the Stanley Cup Finals. But some injury news for the Capitals. While they did win game two, there is some doubts about leading scorer Evgeny Kuznetsov, who was hit pretty hard by my Knights defenseman Braden McNabb and was seen grimacing in pain, holding his arm. Reports are saying that it is a wrist injury. They're saying upper body, which is the usual vagueness, and they say he's day-to-day. Now, will he play? Will he not play? Sounds like he could play in Game 3. Sorry about that. That was my home phone ringing. But it sounds like that he will. He could end up playing Game 3, so it doesn't sound like his wrist is broken at all. It may just be a deep bruise. So, But you know it's the final, so you got to tough it out. Um, 
And also, uh, one more, I will make mention of this as well. Uh, and I know we've beat this dead horse on it here many a time. Why can't the NHL put all the Stanley Cup final games on NBC? Don't need to be putting two and three on NBC Sports Network. Especially since your best game of the series thus far, game one was on NBC. Hey, I mean, even and even Mike Valeni of 97-1, the ticket, he's an NBA guy, and he even admitted that he was checking up on that game, and he was entertained, and he's not that big of a hockey guy. But again, it all goes back to NBC doesn't promote their products, doesn't market stars, unlike in Canada, which they do. Which I also happen to watch a little bit of the CBC broadcast of Game 2 on Wednesday night with Jim Houston, Craig Simpson, and of course their intermission report, which is about the only thing that remotely comes within striking distance of another program for the NBA, which is the Inside the NBA crew, Who, but more on that later. Some news from around the NHL. Hell is... Hell these days, as reports from the deadbeat Detroit Red Wings are saying that they may be looking at trading down in the NHL draft and looking at re-signing Mike Green. I'm not going to go yell and scream about that because I've gotten so used to this organization doing stupid things, trying to do the same thing they're trying to rebuild, but... When they talk like they're going to trade down, especially when you have a possibility to land generational talent early in the first round of the draft. And also, you want to bring back somebody and keep hindering the development of younger players. Same old story there. Next, as the barber says. So, oh, let's see. Also, some draft news. It sounds like the Carolina Hurricanes may be looking at possibly trading the second overall pick in the NHL draft, which they have via the they end up having in the lottery. I don't know if they'll actually do it or not, but again, I think if you have a top 10 pick of the draft, it's not a good move to trade down, especially since the I, lo- I know people want Rasmus Dahlin, but there's no way I think Buffalo lets him go. But you probably still got good talent with Philippe Zadina, Andre Sveshnikov, Brady Kachuk. It will be like going two through four, and then from like five and six on down will be Evan Bouchard, Quinn Hughes. That's some. There's a lot of talent that's going to be available, and some. Um, other. New- some other news, a little bit late to the party on this, but uh, the New York Islanders have hired former Toronto Maple Leafs and New Jersey Devils GM Lou Lamorello oh, to their front office. Lamorello was definitely key in helping getting the Leafs back on track, but now that he has stepped away from there, letting Kyle Dubas take over, so I think they're trying to just bring him in as a tramp transition guy maybe they possibly bring in somebody different down the road and speaking of new gms the minnesota wild have a new gm chuck fletcher is out and national predators assistant gm paul fenton who i have listed had probably once before as a future nhl gm 
He's now got a gig there. He's done a great job learning from David Poyle in Nashville. I think that's a great hire by Minnesota. Uh, and, of course, some kind of late-breaking news. It was here as Ottawa Senators assistant GM Randy Lee was arrested in Buffalo oh, on some harassment charge. I guess they're, they're saying that he would... Was putting his hands on a 19-year-old male employee's shoulders and making a lewd remark. Now, sounds more like like this could be. This is just something more that could just be a misdemeanor charge. It doesn't sound like anything too severe. But again, you can't really be making news like this for the wrong reasons if you're in an NHL front office. So, I will essentially wrap up my power play with this final note here here if you want to go ahead and kill the music and this is just one thing that grinds my gears and nba is tied into this as well because Derek, you and i are putting you're putting the nba within the power play what do you got frank well Derek, you and i have talked many times on this very show about how NBA and NHL do at marketing and all that good stuff. And I've said that the NHL needs to be taking notes from the NBA. Have I not said that? Right. Okay. Well, here's where I'm going to flip the script a little bit. And I think the NBA should take some notes from the NHL. Now, on Monday night, I obviously had game one of the Stanley Cup final. Also had Game 7 of the NBA Western Conference Final on TNT. Now, in the NHL game, you have the best in the business calling that game. Doc Emmerich on play-by-play. Eddie Olchick as a color analyst. Those guys are the best in the business. I know some people aren't real fond of them because they think they're homers for Chicago or Pittsburgh. Don't buy that. Doc and Eddie are the best in in fact, I'll say this about Edzo. The guy has even been an analyst for horse racing on NBC, and you can tell that he's done his homework. But flip over to NBA on TNT. You have Marv Albert, who is way past his prime. And I and look. Well, I don't I know. Does, I don't know about that. Well, that's that's kind of uh, subjective Derek, to say. That though. Kind of, that, it hurts me to say that because. I mean, you and I both watched, heard Marv Albert on in the '90s, early 2000s, when the NBA was on NBC. But he's gotten Father Time has caught up with him. It's not the, he's not the same Marv Albert that was on NBC circa 2002. And then you have Chris Chris Webber who. I'm not a big fan of as a color analyst. Reggie Miller as well. Now, Reggie is not great, but he's not horrible. I mean, you'll hear, you'll hear differences on that. But it seems like but – but after hearing people talk about this, I wonder, what is TNT doing not putting their best guy on a really big game? I mean, where was Kevin Harlan? I mean, that would be like – to me, that's the equivalent of NBC, of NBC putting, let's say, they're 
I mean, you have Doc and Edzo who are their A guys for hockey. That'd be like taking, uh, let's see, uh, trying to think who does let some of the not some of the other games on NBC. That'd be like taking uh, John. No, and no disrespect to these guys, John Forsland and uh, Andy Brickley, they, and ha- putting them on it. I mean, you got your biggest games. You got to have your best guys. That's just something. I believe in, and of course, I thought TNT really screwed the pooch here. Why not put Kevin Harlan on this? Because to me, I think he has surpassed Marv Albert as one as their best play-by-play guy. I mean, he does a great job with the NFL on CB uh, on CBS and on Westwood One Radio, also with college basketball. Uh, to me, and plus he get. I mean, he injects life into it. The same can be said for Doc Emmerich as well. Hell, the life gets injected into it. Hey, you can't be sitting there, hair, hair listening, and then they're just kind of droning on and on about stuff. Uh, and like, oh, look, this happened. It's that's not good. You just gotta ha- you gotta have your best guys on there. And I and you. Because I mean, you'll even look at ESPN, and when they whenever they have NBA Saturday night game on ABC or NBA Finals games, you got Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. I've heard people say that they don't like Mark Jackson one bit, but they're willing to admit that he does a he does a phenomenal job at, at being an analyst. He does his homework and all that good stuff. And there's even people that have said, and I've even heard people say Doris Burke is a better, is definitely a better option than Chris Weber or Reggie Miller. But well, the, why, in, why? Give it, give it, give examples why? Because, like I said, when it comes to announcers and play-by-play guys and, and color analysts, it's all subjective. Because one guy could say, "Well, I don't like this guy," but then someone else can say that they like this guy. You know, Doc Emmerich, I know, is pretty much a legend with with within the NHL. But Marv Albert is somewhat of an, a legend too. But what makes you think that time has passed Marv Albert by? I mean, I I, I told him I I I watched the Houston Rockets Golden State Game Seven game, and there was nothing that really, you know detracted me from the game as far as the announcers go. I thought it was a pretty good game, and I thought it was a pretty decent called game. Well, I think Well, I think maybe it's because someone who grew up hearing Marv Albert in the past, I mean, in the past, it seems like he would inject life into the broadcast. I mean, because he, he kind of had bring more of that entertainment value as well. And now it just doesn't seem like he's able to do that as much anymore. Cause I can, I mean, it was probably about eight years ago. I mean, I would even hear him on the radio on Westwood one when they do Monday night football, he bring life into the broadcast then. And now it seems like he's passed. He's got, he's, it seems like father time has caught up with him and, I mean, it, and it does pain me to say that. It's just, like I said, I'm somebody who's always had a lot of respect for Marv. I mean, his son, his son Kenny, is on NBC and Fox as well, doing NHL, doing NHL coverage, and also does NHL on Westwood One. Yeah, he does do. Yes, he does do it on yeah. Westwood One. Yeah. So, may it's just, it's just. I think it's time the torch needs to be passed. I mean, I didn't ask to say, hey, you know, well, it's time to move on. I mean. 
I so kinda just, but I mean, you're just saying that he's not putting life in the broadcast. You kind of got to be a little specific here. I mean, I still think Marv still got it. It's not like he's doesn't know his information about the game. Uh, he's not being over the top, but yet he's not being just lifeless on the broadcast, Frank. Well, all I, all I know is that when I did watch game six of the end of the Western Conference Finals, I, I mean, great, which was a great game, mind you. I kind of fell, I fell asleep. Well, that that's probably more of the action than actual the, <laughs> the, the the commentating because you're watching the basketball play and you're seeing things develop in the game, whether whatever sport it may be. I don't know how the announcers <laughs> make you go to sleep. I mean, <laughs> and then in that game, also though, in Game Six, it was a you know Rockets were up and then they had that disastrous third quarter and it was a blowout. So I can see how people fell asleep toward the end of the game, but I don't think you blame the announcers for that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's where you and I are going to just agree to disagree. I mean, think about it, Frank. What are you going to do as an announcer and the other team is up by basically 25 points? I mean, you know, you can only feel so much content. The game goes flat. I mean, you try, but, I mean, there's not much you really can do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think – this might be something that you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree on. And not to mention Kevin Harlan probably had something else to do. Games five through seven are not really guaranteed. It could have been a scheduling conflict. But like I said, Reggie Miller I think is you know a pretty decent color analyst. He does a lot for uh, CBS as far as um, college basketball goes, and I think he has great insight. I don't think Chris Webber is bad either. Um, a lot of people just don't give him credit. I think a lot of people hold against him his past and call him the timeout and some of his boneheaded stuff and stuff at Michigan. And I think that's pretty much followed him throughout his career. Even though that stuff happened over 25 years ago, I, I, I've kind of thought that he's been a pretty decent uh, uh, color analyst myself. Uh, I Like I said, if, if the people were bad, I would say that. But, I mean, people are going to say, well, Doris Burke is better. Well, Doris Burke doesn't work for TNT, so they're not going to have her on the broadcast, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can't have Mike Breen or Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy. They've got really good chemistry. They've been doing it for a few years. So, I mean, it is what it is, but it's like, who are you going to bring in? And Kevin Harlan, I don't think is that bad. Um, I think at points he can get a little over the top. Um, he's kind of calmed down a little bit, but I remember his days when he was pretty much the Minnesota Timberwolves play-by-play guy. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, you could almost say, well, why don't we get George Blaha on TNT? I mean, uh, there's a lot of good guys out there calling the games, but I don't really think that uh, Marv Albert is past his prime, so to speak. I mean, you're making it seem like Marv Albert sucks. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be that big of a jerk about him because, like I said, Marv Albert's somebody I have a lot of respect for, but at the same time, I'm willing to admit that he's not the same Marv Albert from 2002. I mean, I think I was, I'm thinking, oh, Frank, you were I was, kinda, well, I was watching Frank, clip, you were doing this. I mean, Frank, you I pretty, that's pretty much well, what you did to Marv Albert. You pretty much gave him the Wheel of Fortune sign of, of basically of, of that. Then that's, 
That's what you just said. You just say he was great. You gave him his respect and his props, but then was like, eh, he's boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's been, it is going to be coming to a point where I think he is going to end. Up, he's going to end up hanging it up with it. Well, yeah, because he's few years. Well, yeah, he's older. I mean, I, I believe yeah. Marv Albert's in his seventies, so I mean, yeah, eventually he is going to hang it up. But I don't think he's going to hang it up because you know he's lost the touch. I just think he's going to get tired of the travel, and I do, do think. Um, Marv Albert doesn't do as many New York Knicks games, and I think Mark Breen actually does the New York Knicks games on television. And Marv, I believe, probably might do some radio games. I have to double check into that. But I mean, he used to do the New York Knicks games, and then also do stuff on NBC. But he's actually cut back a lot in the last few years with his schedule, or he's pretty much been doing main games. So I mean, he has the money and stuff like that. But it, but as the years have gone on, I, I have noticed that he has kind of cut back on his schedule. Yeah, because he because there was a while where he was on the CBS, or I think him and Steve Kerr were doing tournament games. Mm-hmm. Games, and I think he, he and uh, C Webb were maybe him and C Webb, or maybe I don't think him and uh, Barkley were, but but I think that's kind of cut up. He's kind of cut back on that. And he, I think he even had a cup of coffee doing some NFL on CBS. Yeah, he he did. He did do stuff like that. So he's real, really well respected, though. But uh, oh uh, yeah, we'll, we'll finish up this power play because then we got the uh, one last segment because about the NBA uh, finals game one, uh, you let you get some steam off because a lot of people are like getting a lot of steam off about that on uh, <laughs> on Twitter, and it, it was a head scratcher. Yeah. So I mean, I'll just. Concluded by saying, Game Three, Saturday night, NBC Sports Network mm. series tied at one. And I will, will say that I do have to make mention that Alex Ovechkin did score a goal Tuesday night uh, in the stamp in Game Two. So at least he can scratch another one off his list. Will he be able to contribute and help his team win three more games? Only time will tell. Yeah, that is true. And uh, also, the Capitals got their first win in NHL Finals history because they got swept. They were actually 0-5. They got swept in 98 and lost the first one to Vegas, but they won. So that's going to be a good weekend of NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals playoffs and uh, probably also some good uh, commentary. No one uh, has fallen off or, you know, lost their edge, so to speak. Yeah. All right, well, we'll take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, We'll talk NBA Finals Game 1. It was a blunder of a time, so to speak. You listen to 88.3 WTs. After further review, uh, make sure you listen to this on our podcast, on SoundCloud, and on also on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe or follow us, WHT After Further Review on SoundCloud, and After Further Review on iTunes. As I said before, as we return... Talk a little bit of NBA Finals. We'll probably hear the wrath and the fire from Frank Bashner. We'll be back after this. <laughs> 